a funky jam from one of music's most recognizable voices, a moving anthem by a songwriting great, and an absolute classic from one of history's favorite bands. You're listening to Themes and Variation. Themes and Variation is a podcast about music and perspectives brought to you by the online music school Soundfly. I'm your host, Carter Lee. So today we have a very special episode for you. We are breaking down songs from my parents' record collection. Of course, not just my parents. We're not just looking at records curated by Trevor and Bonnie Lee. We're going a little bit deeper than that. These are songs that maybe you heard as a kid that your parents would listen to all the time. And maybe the first few times or first few hundred times you heard them, they didn't really have a big impact on you. Maybe you thought they were lame. But now listening back, you realize that they did actually have a bit of an impact on you musically. Joining me for this deep dive of best ofs and now that's what I call music compilations or of course themes and variation co-producer Mihaela Lee. And our very dear friend, songwriter, composer, producer, activist, actor, performer, there's literally nothing this guy can't do, Huey Stonefish. I've been fortunate to make a lot of music with Huey, and when I look back at some of my favorite music-making experiences, Huey was often in the room. We get into all kinds of things on this episode, of course, the impact our parents' musical tastes have had on our own playlists, the beautiful simplicity of a three-bar phrase, And we discuss the Doobie Brothers for longer than we ever thought possible. And just a friendly reminder to please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to support the show, please consider subscribing to soundfly.com. Remember to use the discount code THEMES to take 20% off your monthly or annual subscription. So without further ado, let's get into the episode, Songs from My Parents' Record Collection. All right, folks, uh, welcome to another episode of Themes and Variation. I am Carter Lee. Joining me today is Mahaya Lee. How are you doing, Mahaya? I'm doing well, Carter. And very special guest, good friend of mine and yours, Emmy Award winning producer, songwriter, composer, general good dude, Huey Stonefish. How are we doing, Huey? Woo woo. Thank you. I'm having a great time. I'm just laughing at you two sitting next to each other, (laughs) asking how each other are. It's very cute. First things first. Congrats on the hardware. Uh, Is there anything you can you can share about like the obviously you worked with Funny or Die for this track? Explain what you're. uh, Yeah. Would you like to maybe? I'm going to leave it to Huey to kind of discuss the the track and and the the award. So we won the uh, Emmy for Outstanding Original Song. The series is called Brainwashed by Tunes, and it takes a look at the history of racism, sexism, and anti-Semitism through the lens of cartoons and media. And each one starts with basically a a moment that happens where something racist or anti-Semitic or sexist happens. What's happening seems like it's so crazy, but let's look back at cartoon history and show why, and not to excuse it, but for us to understand the programming that happens to us to make us act and believe that we can behave in certain ways. And then it's like cartoons of like Pepe Le Pew and all these cartoons. So same thing with racism, same. So the one I was on was about anti-Semitism and each of these has like a special big guest star. So Wayne Brady sings the one about racism. Leah Thompson sings the one about sexism and Jason Alexander, he sings and I rap 
Clap, the one about anti-Semitism. Obviously an incredible message, and I know you're very socially aware and, and put yourself behind a lot of causes, and in your music too, so that was really awesome to see. It was also like on a lighter note, amazing to see you work with uh, George Costanza on a track. I was like, are you, that's so sick. Were both of your parents musicians? Uh, my dad was. Uh, my mom's side of the family, they were just busy on the farm. They had no time for instruments, so that was the deal. Although Whoa. my dad's side were also farmers too, so it's a it's a whole thing. A lot of farming in the in the Lee and Polinsky lineage. When I think about having children, like my hope is that music will be a big part of our connection and that I'll show them music and that they'll show me music and I really... I just hope that when they show me music that I hate and think is dumb, I'll still be able to find <laughs> the joy in it, you know? Yes. Yeah. So, guys, I'll, I'll just get right to it. I picked, I didn't realize I was going to feel like semi-embarrassed, but I picked a Doobie Brothers song. There are a few tracks from the Doobies, and specifically, it's not about one band, but rather one man, Mr. Michael McDonald. Ooh. The tune I ended up picking is uh, It Keeps You Running. <laughs> Oh, man. Here we go, Michael. Say where you gonna go it is stanky. You Can't help but do a, a, a Michael McDee impression. So, first of all, have you heard this song first? Have you heard this song? Of course. I, I had not. I'm actually surprised, Huey, that Carter never made you jam on this song with him. Because I've had uh, this, like, did, this like, as you and I are like the only two keyboards. This would have been a perfect era. DRTV yeah. song. It absolutely oh, it really has DRTV, DRTV yeah. vibes to me. For people who don't know, Carter and I worked uh, in a band together for a long time and we actually made a record together called uh, Jacuzzi Louie. And this definitely has Jacuzzi Louie vibes. Bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I see it's a joke, you're a hoax, though I'm broke, it's too slow to let you know you should... As a keyboardist, how do you feel when you hear a track that has that kind of sound? Like, is that a sound you're okay with being asked to use? I have been asked to use that sound many a time in my day. You know, there's so many great examples of clav sound in mm-hmm. popular music, maybe not at this moment, but just throughout our time or throughout like history. Like Stevie Wonder or but like, like that. Yeah, mostly Stevie Wonder um, that I'm thinking of. But like when I hear that, there's a part of me as a keyboard player that like cringes. And it's just like, uh, it just like, it just doesn't sound dope to me Mm -hmm. in that way. I would always be like, can we just do a Rhodes with like some wah on it? You know, there is a Rhodes there, but it's buried. It's definitely buried. And actually that sound, it's definitely electric piano. And what I found is it's probably an RMI. It's a brand I was not familiar with, honestly, but it would have the piano and the harpsichord tabs down so you're getting both the ep and the harpsy sound like dude at at this time 1976 to have a bass like that loaded with chorus to me is amazing and that's uh tyron porter playing the bass 
have seen jokes in my research about this song is probably about doing cocaine. It keeps you running. Uh, it's really about, you know, a man talking to a woman, just trying to, to get her to understand that she doesn't have to be lonely anymore and that maybe he's not a, a bad choice for her after all, I think. That's that's kind of what I got from it in my very... for me on the, the theme n- of the yeah. song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what is the it? Uh, it keeps you running. Yeah. What What's the it? And it keeps you running. Ooh. It's if it's not cocaine. That's on yeah. another level. I'd yeah, have if to. If not cocaine, then what? Maybe it's the chorus on the bass that because that's what keeps me running throughout <laughs> for sure. <laughs> So just getting to why this song, you know, both my parents listened to a ton of music. They listened to a ton of soft rock, what we would probably call yacht rock now. You remember the like it would have, say it was Billy Joel or Eric Clapton or Elton John. It'd just be the artist name and then Essentials after that. And it would be like a black and white image. Everybody's parents had like a dozen of those records. So pre being able to look up any song on the planet and put together a playlist, I think Best Ofs and the Essentials and Greatest Hits were definitely like a mainstay in any parent parents record collection and my dad had best of the doobies some of the stuff my parents let do was great i, d- I don't want to to knock it at all and now I, as i'm getting older some of the stuff is actually resonating with me which is terrifying a lot of that best of the doobies the era before michael mcdonald was much more rock you guys know that song china grove Songs you could imagine middle-aged men cracking open a Coors to or something like that when they're out <laughs> grilling. Their Southern rock stuff, not my favorite. As soon as you layer in a bunch of synths and stuff like the Michael McDonald era has, then all of a sudden uh, you're starting to get me hooked. There were a couple things that started to open the, the doors of Michael McDonald to me because there are three songs that I love. I mentioned What a Fool Believes. <laughs> Uh, obviously it keeps you running and I, I keep forgetting I still love and there are other Michael McDonald songs that are great but these are the three that I always listen to I keep This song is a perfect golden hour song. The one thing we do have going for us in LA still is like some beautiful sunsets and and probably that has mostly to do with the smog, smog and yeah. the air pollution. But <laughs> the trade-off is that it looks great. It will great. kill us one day, but it's beautiful now. There are a couple things too related to Michael McDonald specifically. So he played the commencement at Berkeley when I graduated. He did. Yeah, my parents were so stoked to see him. And I didn't quite get it at the time. It was kind of funny. He played Taking It to the Streets oh with God. like a Berkeley band, which is a little weird. We're all graduating with our music degrees. It's like, well, what are you going to do with your music degree? And he's like, you're going to take it to the streets, bros. Uh, <laughs> like, it just it felt up. like him being like, like go yeah. busk. The other thing about him and his sincerity that actually really stuck with me was, you know, they announce your name and you walk up and grab your degree and, and walk through the handshake line. And you're done. So he looked me straight in the eye and said, congratulations, Carter. And like gave me a really good handshake. Wow. And so he was saying everybody's name That's and just cool. giving a very sincere. And I was like number 500 of like a 900 person wow. graduating yeah. class. No, he doesn't remember that moment at all. But like, it was just such a thing like he... You don't know that. And that probably planted the seed at least a little bit. I didn't run out and start listening to It Keeps You Running or any of his stuff from Doobie Brothers. Then later, I think I was starting to get hip to it. And then one of my favorite artists currently, Thundercat, brings him on stage to play Them Changes at the Hollywood Bowl. We were fortunate enough to see. Oh, that's cool. And yeah, I was we like, okay, this cool. dude is awesome. Michael McDonald and Kenny Longitz then guested on on uh, Thundercat's Show You The Way, which I highly recommend. Wow. I 
have a question about yeah. It Keeps You Running, which maybe you're about to cover. Yeah. I just want to know what that chord is, because you said it starts on a G7. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to guess before you, before you when say it. When it goes to the verse? Also, yeah. Okay, but here's the thing. I just want to preface this yeah. to everyone if I'm just totally wrong, okay? <laughs> I only listened to the song once in my shower yeah. last night. Yeah. And then Which is a this great time, time now, to so listen I... to It Keeps You Running, by the way. It's a good shower thing. <laughs> I'm just going to throw a guess out there, okay? I just yeah. want an Emmy for songwriting, so I feel like I can be wrong on this podcast <laughs> and not be embarrassed. Lay it on me. Two guesses. Okay. Yeah. I have three guesses, really. Yeah. First guess. Maybe C, C minor. No. That wasn't a Did bad guess, though. That was a pretty good guess, I would say. Okay, second guess, G minor. No. Okay, third guess, A minor. Oh, you were dancing around it, so it's B minor 7. You were so close. Oh, they're going to the three, of course. I think that you did yourself a service there. Like You did a great job with the guess there. So the top of the verse, it goes from that G7 vamp right to B minor 7 on that C where you, you know, where you start falling. Now we have a tritone substitute dominant 7 chord. So oh, wow. instead of going B7 to uh, E7 to A minor 7, he uses B minor 7 to B flat seven, okay. then to A minor seven. Instead of going A minor seven to D seven to G, back to the top with, of that vamp, uses an A flat seven. So it's really A flat seven, sharp Ooh. 11. So yeah. those chords are B minor seven wow. to B flat seven to A minor seven to A flat seven to G. Chromatic all the way oh, yeah. down. So rich yeah. in, in, in jazz harmony and, and just beautifully placed against the vocal melody. The chorus though, and we'll get to it when we listen to it, the chorus, make <laughs> it makes me melt, dude. Like even just thinking of that chorus I, I get to it like there's a, a, a melody note in in the these really rich harmonies of moving f sharp to g f sharp to g over a c major 7 so that's c major 7 sharp 11 is your first chord then right to e minor e minor 9 this song if we're gonna ask what key it's gonna be in i would say e minor honestly and the first chord being g7 wow. just kind of like a, a secondary dominant when you hear the chorus and the way it weaves through all the harmony the way it weaves through the bridge and the pre-chorus to the chorus is just absolutely stunning and uh, let's listen to that right now. That's beautiful. The whole tune is halftime groove and just like big beats, just giant beats. And then you have the EP and the bass uh, able to kind of play together uh, and and bounce bounce off each other a little bit as well. Something I appreciate about the song, that is something I learned from my Soundfly course on mixing. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. I mean, that Mm -hmm. course actually really helped me quite a bit. And just like the dead panning of those sounds, of those clav sounds. It's so beautiful. I was always sort of afraid to just really pan things too much. And so now that Soundfly encouraged me and and taught me more about it, hearing it, it's like, wow, you really hear the interplay of those is it two keyboards is there a guitar in there there is a guitar you'll actually there's a, a carly simon version of the song that came out the exact oh, wow. same year of the, as yeah. this song no way. which is crazy and it's the same band wow. and just with her singing no and way. it's on i will play it i'll play it for you guys <laughs> like it is unbelievable Hey Carter, 
Have you heard about Soundfly's new subscription? Let's say I haven't. I think it's something you'd be super into. You know about Soundfly's courses, right? Of course I do. Not only are they highly engaging, they make it possible for us to do this show. Right. And you know about the premium courses, right? You mean like modern pop vocal production or orchestration for strings? Yep. Or faders up one, modern mix techniques, introduction to making music in Logic Pro, or advanced synths and patch design for producers. Or songwriting for producers? Mm-hmm. Well, as a Soundfly subscriber, you'd get access to all of those and more. Plus, an invitation to our online community of students, mentors, and Soundfly team members, like you and me. A subscription's perfect if you want to explore at your own pace, but still like the idea of a helpful community of expert professionals and passionate hobbyists standing by, ready to help. Wow, when you put it like that, it sounds like an existential conundrum for me personally, and a pretty sweet deal for just about anyone else. It is a sweet deal for just about anyone, and it gets even sweeter. Anyone listening to this episode can use the code THEMES to get an exclusive discount at soundfly.com. Because at Soundfly, we want to help you reach your musical goals. I kind of skipped over when I'm talking about like why this song and, and maybe my, my father's influence on, on my music a little bit. So he was a bass player and he had a band. <laughs> Again, in terms of your taste changing, I thought this was the lamest band name ever. And now I think it's one of the sickest. But it was the Cats and Jammers. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it was or a Klezmer band. A oh, Klezmer dude, not a Klezmer band, but they, um, they might have done some Klezmer gigs. I asked him, like, did you guys play? Because I, I picked this song because I was kind of hoping to get a funny story out of like, Oh, yeah, we used to play this song all the time. They didn't play this. They did a cover of Jesus is Just All Right. The other thing he has that I think influenced me is his his very loud singing. Like he had a Yamaha. They still do. They need to get a new piano. This piano I need, wait, sucks. Wait, I need you to say Yamaha. Yamaha. I need you to say Yamaha. Yeah, thank so you. my parents have a, a Yamaha. Yamaha. Yeah, instead yeah. of a Yamaha. You know what? I'm like gonna say Yamaha because that's side. my Canadian roots and it's a that's Japanese where I'm from. My mom got my dad headphones so she didn't have to listen to him playing piano, but it didn't stop him from singing super loud. I would maybe have gone out the night before in high school and be a little bit under the weather the next day and just hear him belting stuff like this. Mahay's experienced it. We stayed with I him have. in Palm Springs. There was one day it was Coldplay's Clocks. He, like me, will just like drill a song over and over and we'd be working in out of the corner like you'd just hear from another room. Like non stop. What is it about his voice that we want to make fun of it and listen to it at the same time? It's got a crooner vibe to me, but it also is incredibly like it's very soulful. But I could also picture him singing a Sinatra tune and like doing his own and like really. Well, I think he's maybe he's just it. an amazing singer with a strange affectation that makes him memorable. That's a good point because we equally applaud it and make fun of it. Exactly. Yeah. Which is like I, I'm making fun of it, but then I'm like, who am I to make fun of the way Michael McDonald sings? Like he's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's strange.
This is for sure the longest I've ever talked about the Doobie Brothers. Yeah. Life, <laughs> so I don't, I don't think I have any more questions. Yeah, yeah. One last thing about this. Um, when you dig into a song and really look at it and dissect it, like you can find the beauty and the magic in anything. You know, when I first heard this song, I was like, okay. But now after listening to it and talking about it and looking at the chorus on the bass and what instrument is the piano actually like, it's so much richer for me now. So my song is Shed a Little Light by James Taylor. When we were growing up, we didn't really listen to a lot of music in the house. Music was sort of something I came to in part through my uncle and and definitely in part on my own. And we had three albums that we listened to. One was Frank Sinatra, Essential Hits, Greatest Hits, just like you called it, Carter. One was Paul Simon, Graceland. And the other one was James Taylor, New Moonshine. I love this song because, um, especially with so much of my work now and the Emmy that I just got is is around activism. You know, hearing James Taylor, like the first words out of his mouth in this song are, let us turn our thoughts today to Martin Luther King. And I'll talk more about the lyrical content and how like some of what he's saying is like some of the way that he brings the song out. Some of what he says like is a little bit cringy, not as like maybe aware as, you know, we would hope. But still at the same time, like there's a lot of people who would listen to James Taylor who would never take time to, th- to turn their thoughts to Martin Luther King. So for him to start with that is like, you know what, bro, respect. Let us turn our thoughts today to Martin Luther King and recognize that there are ties between us, all men and women living on the earth, ties of hope and love, of sister and brotherhood. That we are bound together in our desire to see the world become a place in which our children can grow free and strong. So when I listened to this, I kind of got why you would pick this song because I totally hear its influence on some of your music. And then I immediately went and listened wow. to it, revisited your record. Uh, look at how quickly wow. everything's changing. It was, And I couldn't find the song. I, I thought I would find a song on there that was like I could directly tie to this, which is great because yeah. obviously you're doing it in your own voice. But do you have a song of yours that I could link to that's like, yeah, this is very, this is kind of where that influence is. Thank you, bro. I have a song called Good Year. And that song is me and my cousin Elijah and we have a duet and it's on that record. Basically, we talk about what my my dreams and my hopes are for the for the future for this year at the time that I wrote it, which was a few years ago. You know, this year, I'm Jorge's going to teach me Spanish while we're going to grow our hair out. It's going to be a good year, things like that. And at the end of the song, we talk about social justice and doing what we can, and we talk about police brutality, and it's all in the song. It's going to be a good year. Get up. Everybody knows it's going to be a good year. None of my friends are going to get shot. I'm going to speak my life in as a white person, what is my ability and my role to talk about social justice, to talk about racial inequality in our country? How can I do it? And who are the people who I can look to as models? Who are the white artists who I can look at and say, wow, this is a really cool way in which someone did something that is impactful and the music can still appeal to millions of people. And so I thought that this would be a great opportunity to like, both for me to reflect upon myself and also to share, because my feeling is always like, there's nobody doing it. And then I look and it's like, no, James Taylor did this in 1991. We're living in an era where music has become so much just an entertainment thing for the most part. Whereas like mm. historically, it was about talking bigger issues or preserving history or worship and 
And the song has a very gospel feel to me too, which I think yes. it just feels like uh, it, it, it elevates the function of the song. You can't bury your head in the sand right. with this and be like, oh, I just love the harmony and like, and then and then realize, oh, that's what that song right. is about. It like he's like, no, this right. is like you guys gotta listen to this song and listen to this message. So without me interrupting with with more questions for you, Huey, any like what else would you like to talk about with this track? I never actually have sat down and figured out the chords and looked at it and played it through, and it's just so beautiful and it is a part of my auditory learning of music and my auditory journey. So to hear like F sharp, G minor, C minor, B flat over E flat F. That's our let us turn our thoughts today to Martin Luther. That's F sharp, G minor, C minor, B flat over E flat F. And that like diminished chord, starting with the diminished and the walk up and just hearing those harmonies that sound so rich. It's like very counterpuntal with the yes. vocal melody kind of maybe floating and maybe descending a little bit. And then that's the, like that motion between the bass and the piano just constantly propelling and so much tension, so much tension release, tension release, tension release. Absolutely yes. beautiful. Beautiful. It's very classical almost in nature. Like the clenching of a fist. There is a hunger in the center of the chest. There is a passage through the darkness and the mist. And though the body sleeps, the heart will never rest. The chorus is just grouped in three bars, which is so sick, which solidifies that feeling of perpetual motion throughout the track. Like you could you could listen to this track for 20 minutes and it still probably wouldn't feel too stale because the way the harmony rises uh, and the way that that hook is, is in three bars. It's so awesome. And if you're a songwriter, composer, definitely try and write something and, you know, with a three bar phrase. It's so funny, like just the things that is as a sidebar that we were told or we thought about ourselves, like when I was 15 trying to play piano and I thought like, oh, I'm not good at learning songs so I was like okay now there's still a part of me like I'm amazing at figuring out songs I'm so good at it but there's still a part of me that's like you'll never be able to figure that out you're not good at that you know you have a buddy who's been doing it for longer you're in a band you know you're 16 years old and you have a buddy who's like 17 or 18 and they're way better at it they pick it up I remember being 13 and like a friend of mine Ryan Murrah was the amazing guitar player and he'd been playing for like five years like dude I don't have five years to practice <laughs> guitar it's like I'm 13 years old that's almost half of my life yeah exactly where he wants to get the light from. And he says, don't give me no light from a dollar bill. Don't give me no light from a TV screen. And it's just interesting as the conversation in our country takes place about like, what does systemic racism look like? Saying like, I don't need light from a TV screen. I don't need light from a dollar bill. And then we look and say, well, actually, part of what makes our country unequal is because when we turn on the TV, most of the people we see are white. I even watched the music video for this song and like the choir is three white people. And I was going to ask. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. it is predominantly so white. He also didn't go out and just like for the one track on the album, get a bunch of black people right. to do it because that would be problematic as well. Right. Yes, it would. But yeah. it's like, you know, how do you draw that line? Because I know that James has these um, background singers that he works with and he, 
they're so close and you know they perform with them at the shows and he gives them a lot of shine and love and respect so those were probably just his background singers that he had but you know it's just interesting to like look now and reflect on this and say this piece is still really powerful and meaningful and he's taking a moment on his album to look at Martin Luther King but also to say like damn if it was right now how could we even have done this better there have been a lot of covers of this song which is cool and there's a there is a great sort of funny version of it's James on stage with Aretha Franklin and a huge <laughs> choir behind them James who is an incredible performer like right. so great performer looking yeah. very uncomfortable on there <laughs> like if, I'm like did y'all just not rehearse this yeah. like what, why do you look so awkward up there bro but you hear Aretha Franklin singing over it and it's like pretty cool Correct me if I'm wrong, but I do think you guys were both at the same James Taylor clinic. I think clinic. that Huey being further into his time at Berkeley than I was, I went to the clinic that was like the full auditorium. You might have done like one on the one-on-one or like the small group sessions, right? I actually, I was at that full auditorium and I got to ask him and I also got to ask Paul Simon a question. Well, oh, I was at you, both of questions? those. So I heard you ask questions before we ever... You heard that question. And these are questions that like have stayed with me so deeply. And actually, when you talk about the influence on my own music, so I, I asked them both the same question, which is, what's the best piece of advice you ever got? That's a good question. That's and, and I'll that's a kudos to you for asking a good question at a clinic because I know people ask James Taylor like what kind of strings do you use yeah. on your guitar? Which if you're at a that's clinic, it's not a bad question. It's, it's not a good. It's you. not a but good you can question. Google it. It's yeah, not true. It's not a good and question. It's not a question that, you can Google it. It's point. not a question for James Taylor. It's not a question for any guitarist, frankly. Like I, Adam Rogers was asked that question. It's like. I kind of get that as a, as a jazzer. Also, or like, what were you thinking when you played that solo? Is like a not, or how do you play fast? Was like a classic clinic question. So to you, my point is, great question because it's not easy to ask a good clinic question. Thank you very much. I figured I had one opportunity. What was his uh, response to that? His response was a lyric in hit one of his songs, and it's also the chorus of one of my songs, and it's actually the name of a song on my album, which is "Only Everything Is Everything." That was his answer. The best piece of advice you ever got. And he said, only everything is everything. Hmm. That is thinker. really heavy. For those of you who can't see, I just leaned back yeah. in my chair and raised up my hands. Like, what else can you do? What's so beautiful about that phrase is it can change all the time. But I think it's beautiful to see someone like James Taylor who has gone through so much. You know, he's someone yeah, who speaks about his depression and, and drug use and overcoming those things mm -hmm. and also has achieved such heights of success and yeah. fame and things that many of us dream of. And there's always more that we could want. And only everything is everything. So if we're always looking for everything, we may never actually get it. You know, you mentioned your parents. What do your parents do again for a living? I know that they're uh, therapists, I believe, right? Is that they're both therapists. Right. My mom's a professor. She's actually written two books. And my dad um, is a therapist and he runs a psychological healthcare business. Wow. Is there anything even just like beyond like the, the albums that you had in your house, but like just anything about them that you feel influenced your musical life? You know, learning more about our own Jewish history, like my dad's came from a family who escaped Russia from the pogrom. For people who don't know, they would ride into these Jewish towns and just kill all the Jews. And then my mom's side of the family was a little bit different, but that's basically like our history on both sides is they escaped Europe. What they grew up with was like 
get a job, do something that, you know, is a little more easy to understand. So balancing that with them also having incredible support for us. The thing that I got from them the most was like, whatever you're doing, practice it and do it hard. So they're like, we don't necessarily maybe fully understand dedicating your life to music and songwriting, but they were able to support us with love. And they were like, just as long as you're literally working as hard as you can at it, you know, good luck and Godspeed. I want to start actually by telling you about a song I didn't pick. I was born in Hawaii, so a lot of the music I grew up Mm. around was um, Hawaiian music. Outside of Hawaii, it doesn't get enough attention, and it's amazing. Just the level of musicianship is a lot higher than I think people expect. Um, Who's the incredible ukulele player, like the virtual Jake? Jake Shimabukuro. Yeah, incredible. So there's a song called Kavika by the Ka'au Crater Boys. I don't understand enough Hawaiian to speak to lyrics, and if I can't talk about lyrics, half my value on the podcast is gone. But listen to that song when you get a chance. It's beautiful, and it also showcases the ukulele. I went with an easy choice. It comes in just over the two minute mark. And for the most part, it's, it's pretty simple and straightforward, but there are some pretty cool things to it. Do I have to keep on talking till I can go on? While you see it your way, run the risk of knowing that our love may soon be gone. We can work it out. We can work it out. So, Mahe, what are we listening to? <laughs> <laughs> We're listening to We Can Work It Out um, by The Beatles. Mm-hmm. The Beatles are one of the few bands I don't associate with one parent more than the That's other. That's pretty you know? common, I think, for anybody. Like, I, like even yeah. as a kid listening to the Beatles, there was something like, okay, I can't dislike this. There's Maybe... something universal about it. Yeah. The first album I heard this on was the Past Masters multiple CD set. Did your parents have that? No. Cool. cool. Um, but I consciously remember this song being on at random pivotal moments in my life, like prepping for the hurricane on Kauai. I remember my mom putting the Beatles on to kind of keep me and my brother from talking to her while she prepped, you know? Um, wow. Or making up like dumb little dances with your friends the way kids do. This is do. a perfect dumb little dance yeah. song. Yeah. This song is great because I think that it is simple enough if you interpret it one way lyrically that children know what it's about or what it could be about. Mm. But there's enough depth mm-hmm. when you dig in deeper that it continues to be interesting as an adult. Hmm. Can I just say, I can't think of a better Beatle to sing this song like Paul singing it just feels like yeah that's the right dude to sing it I gotta say too so there there is a video for this uh the song yeah. I watched John Lennon in the first I think it's like at 10 seconds he looks at the camera and makes his face as if to be like oh I'm Paul McCartney singing they're this song silly. it's wow. like they look like they understand how ridiculous because they're just miming to the track and they're like this is ridiculous and the most brutal fake bass playing yeah, you've ever seen on the uh, yeah it's but like george and ringo are taking it so seriously like the way they're playing and every like they're playing everything down to the letter and then john and paul are just like what are we doing here dude like what's that line when somebody asked i think john um do you think ringo's the best drummer in the world and yeah, he said not ringo's the... not even the best drummer in the beatles and that's a line like that what was that like 50 years ago that he said it and to the day like it's Ringo funny. can escape that, well, that line because it's such a good line um you know the majority of their earlier songs are very short 
so yeah, a little over two minutes. Simple, straightforward. Um, Another three-bar phrase on the verse. Yeah, so. I was going to say, you picked up on the three-bar phrase. Because it, it just it, it feels natural, but it's yeah. a lot... Uh, it's, it's something that doesn't get utilized, I think, enough in songwriting. But just what having, is that three-bar phrase? Uh, each section of the verse, each phrase only lasts for three bars. So it has a nice, that? like, uh, yeah, uh, very much so like uh, the chorus of uh, Shed a Little Light. I think part of the reason that works so well is... Like the verse section, if you're calling the full thing a verse and not like a verse and an interlude, is still eight measures. So you have two phrases that are three wow. measures and then you and have the, the we can work yeah. it out, we can work it out is yep. two more. Wow. Yeah, so you still land on that next section with that sort of symmetry that you just kind of want out of a mainstream song, you know? May, you wanted to dive into the Yeah, I mean, we can talk about the harmony a little bit. I don't think we have to linger on it because I think it basically just approaches things in a way that's pretty safe for good pop writing key of D for the most part. We move to, I'd say, the relative minor on the B section, that B minor. There's a flat seven major chord, but that's not that weird. <laughs> Other than that, Ooh. though, it's really one, four, five, seven. Yeah, it stays pretty standard all the way through, which I appreciate about it because it is um, a, a very accessible song. There are two moments in that B section where you have a three over two thing happening. I love that mm. stuff. Mm -hmm. I have a suspicion that I walk in three. <laughs> like, it just feels more natural to me to wow. think You also three. write all of your songs in three. I write a lot of songs in uh, yeah, wow. triple me. <laughs> yeah, that, that quarter note triplet, and before we even listen to it, for any of us, like, what, what the hell is three over two or quarter note triplet? Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to try and How demonstrate this? this. So here's our pulse. And then it's putting three uh, quarter notes in the space of two. And the way that you can like easily learn it is to... Apple sauce, apple sauce, apple sauce, apple sauce. So the the stresses of applesauce are the um, syllables oh, of it. Apple sauce, apple sauce. One two three, one two three, one two three, one two three. I learned four. it is not difficult, and not is where they sink of. Not difficult. Yeah. Not difficult. Yeah. Anyway. It's not difficult. I like that. So you have these moments of three over two, and. Uh, there's like a little bit of prosody going on there because you get the three over two mm. on the lines um, for fussing and fighting, my friend. Like it, those, it, it's literally kind of got a struggle. For those that might not know what lyrical prosody is, what uh, what is prosody? You know, when there's a literal connection, and Huey, you might be able to define it better. I don't know, but when there's um, the lyrical connection to between the music, the music and the words, is that yeah. Kind of like a word painting type. Beautiful that's a technique. Term, though. I think you expressed it perfectly, and I think Whoa. that's a great example of it. Fussing and fighting. It's like everything changes because now we're fussing and fighting. Now we have to change our structure, change yeah. how right. it all comes. I think that's a great example of that. I think there's more obvious examples, like if you say the word up and the melody Jumps, becomes yeah. higher. Yeah. yeah, things like that are a little more on the note. Shout out to great bass playing yeah. by Paul McCartney. Dude, uh, I never loved the Hofner love bass. The Hofner. It sounds great. It sounds great. I just don't... Not enough chorus for you? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> 
So lyrically, I had never thought too much about this song because it seems simple and it can be yeah. simple, but it occurred to me there's actually two ways you can interpret it. Whoa. There's the version where it's straightforward, you know, we can all get along, everything's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. You could also interpret these words in a way that the singer is unwilling to admit that maybe they are wrong. The lines Whoa. that follow the U lines are very different than the lines that follow the I lines, if that makes any sense. Whoa. Think of what you're saying. Think of what you're saying. You can get it wrong and still you think that yeah, it's all right. Yeah. Think of what I'm saying. We can work it out and get it straight or say good. Like, there's a way that you could take this that is really the singer talking down to someone they're having yeah. an argument with. Wow. And being like, think about what you're saying right now. You know? <laughs> Versus like, now think about what I'm saying. Yeah. It makes more sense, right? Oh like, God. either of us could be right. We'll find out, you know, but... Anyway, I, I don't think that's what they meant with this song, but it is an interesting lens to look at it through. Mm -hmm. I heard sometime that every time a songwriter says you, they actually mean me. Interesting. Just like to look, and which is like so often how we speak to each other, like, you're wrong. Because yeah. Blah, blah, blah. It's right. like, no, I'm actually wrong. I just need to like take a deep breath and look at myself. Yeah. yeah. One thing I sometimes recommend to students, you know, if you find yourself writing the same situation over and over in different songs, mm -hmm. write about it from the other person's perspective and make yourself the villain. <laughs> Even if you don't like the song, it's good therapy. So worth wow. doing. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it, there was kind of like a 2B option for interpreting this song. And I'm curious what you guys think. Is this a reflection on an argument or is this an argument? I think that that's a really interesting point. I think that they're looking back and saying, we can work it out. Life is very short. Like, we have to figure this out. But we don't actually know what they're fighting about. Think of what you're saying. Yeah, but we don't actually know what they're saying. Right? I, I, I get it's it like, as it's well, a real-time argument. Like, this is, this is happening. Like, bro, like, take it a step back. It kind of sounds like you one side of a phone of call. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Um, hmm. Try to see it my way. Do I have to keep talking? That's very interesting. I love that line. Yeah. Like, anytime something can be that conversational and still fall out of your face in such a musical way sort of like you said about like right now it's like this line life is very short and there's no time for fussing and fighting my friend i've always thought it's a crime so i'll ask you once again see it my way like that's such a thing to say to be like i don't actually want to resolve the issue right. i just want yeah. you to stop fighting with me about it so just exactly. stop fussing and fighting there's no time for it just just agree to disagree that type of thing I mean, we covered a lot of ground. You know, it's kind of cool to take a look back at, at some songs that, like, in my case, was, I was retroactively influenced by this song. There was always music in our house, but, like, yeah, a lot of it just kind of washed over me. And now it's, like, maybe coming back that it's, it's stuff that I'm being hip to. And so that's kind of been a fun realization. And also just a realization that, that we're all getting older. Huey, and it, dude, thanks so much for being on, on the pod. You know, obviously, we're not playing live shows right now, but is there anything that you're up to that, that you'd like to plug? I have a new project coming out with another Berkeley alum, Kev Liu, and we strived with this new project. It's called The Deli, and we strive with this project to make a project that really sounds current. So it's got a lot of, you know, big, thick hip-hop uh, drums and bass. Um, so I'm really excited for that to come out the deli. And then uh, my I'm in a comedy band called Lou Burger, and we're always releasing new stuff. So I just, you know, hope people will, if they enjoyed, follow me on all my socials, which is just Huey Stonefish, H-U-G-H-I-E, Stonefish. 
And that's going to do it for this episode of Themes and Variation. As always, thank you so much for listening. We want to know what songs were in your parents' record collection. So there is a link to a Spotify community playlist in our show notes. Please add your selections there. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for themes for a future episode, drop us a line at podcast at soundfly.com. You can also tweet at us now at at themes pod and as a very special treat we're going to play this episode out with huey and kev Lou's track a good time we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode and a new theme Also, I go back in the first big respect. I'm out here in Hollywood. I mean, oh, this place looks cool. Welcome to the deli. We're having a good time. Potato salad is a vibe, baby. It's a vibe, baby. Come on down to the deli. Orders up. We're having.